0: When a man accepts an invitation to a dinner party hosted by his ex-wife, the unsettling past reopens old wounds and creates new tensions. This week's episode is The Invitation. My name is Joe.
1: My name is Devin. And
0: our podcast name is Partners in Fright. Welcome, everybody.
1: Welcome.
0: Okay. Should we do housekeeping stuff first, or?
1: I don't... You look very excited about I am, something. I
0: am. I am very... Okay. It's the fall season. We are now in October. It's October, baby. And I, oh, God. Okay. We watch- Can you feel the
1: spooky season in your bones?
0: I was going to say, like, uh, we watch horror movies all the time, obviously. And I read horror books throughout the year. But for some reason, it feels extra spooky, I guess, in the fall. I'm going to give you a heads up. I am going to gush over this movie nonstop. This is like It Follows or The Shining or The Strangers or The Thing for me. I adore this movie and I forgot how much I loved it until we started like really getting into it.
1: Yeah. And you forgot that we watched this together.
0: Yeah. I, I have seen this three times before, I believe. And I, I must have forgot that at one of those times we watched it together.
1: I've only watched it once before. I'm just curious when we watched it. Like, did we watch it when it came out?
0: I'm not sure. I know this was originally on Netflix.
1: I feel like we watched it in this room, which doesn't make (laughs) sense to me, because we've definitely watched it before 2021, because that's when we got the TV in here. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know.
0: We record in our bedroom, by the way. This is where Devin is pointing at.
1: Okay, I think it must, we must have watched it in 2015 because I'm thinking of a certain setup and I think that was at our other place, which would check out because 2015 was before we moved, before we got married.
0: Yeah. Well, we have the physical copy of this movie and I remember I watched it at some point on Netflix and it's not on there anymore. And beware, there are like three or four other invitation titles out there yes so this one is 2015 and it's starring logan marshall green who kind of looks like a wish version of tom hardy a little bit
1: oh my god
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he's a he's bit. a fantastic actor
1: with his beard shaved i can see that oh yeah he looks completely different without a beard for sure yeah. um and also michael who's Hus- <laughs> yeah
0: yeah
2: no
1: <laughs> plays a david one of the characters in this film but he also plays Steven in Haunting of Hill House. And I realized right, that like yeah. three quarters of the way through the movie. And I was like, oh, my God, that's where I know him from. Because obviously I watched this before I saw Haunting of Hill House. Yeah.
0: So. I was going through some of the trivia and it was interesting that uh, Zachary Quinto, Luke Wilson and Topher Grace were originally cast
1: Whoa. in this,
0: which would have been insane.
1: Wait, originally cast or were they just being considered?
0: It says were originally cast in major roles. So I don't know if maybe scheduling conflicts oh, got shit. in the way. Although Luke Wilson, you know, he doesn't really have a lot going on. He- <laughs> I don't know
1: about Topher Grace. Maybe he was cast as David originally. I can't see him as anything else. Um I could see Zachary Quinto yeah. as David. Oh, I, c- I could see him as either McG or I guess Tommy.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Uh oh, and then real quick. One of the many reasons why I love this movie is uh, everything about this was pretty like small budget indie, mm-hmm. so directed, written, produced, everything. Um, so not a lot of money was poured into it.
1: Which is crazy because it seems it like really like, high quality. It
0: really does. Yeah. So unfortunately, it didn't rake in a lot of money. So I feel like I know a lot of people who I have recommended this movie to most of them haven't heard of this.
1: I'm and so surprised. It's.
0: I feel like it's his flew under the radar.
1: You could totally make like a whole invitation series like they did with the purge because essentially it sets up kind of the same.
0: Yeah. Type of
1: scenario, weirdly enough.
0: Yeah. And we can we can get into that at the end. But
1: also, I just wanted to say for anyone who might be new listening that normally we review more underrated uh, under the radar, which um, obviously Jojo said this kind Mm -hmm. of flew under the radar for a lot of people. So maybe that fits the bill for you. But during the month of October, we do like a fun little series where we just review our favorite horror movies. I'm still workshopping the name of it, of the series. So (laughs) I guess you'll find out when this is published or I'll find out. I don't know. Maybe I'll throw it up on a vote. Yeah. Just wanted to clear that up since this is kind of like a special series for Halloween season.
0: Yeah. So yeah, uh, last year we went through our like favorite horror movies.
1: Are you sweating?
0: Uh, a little bit. <laughs> in, in my in my notes, I said I want to rename, they should have named this movie Sweaty Palms.
1: Oh, because you're sweaty?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I
1: I was very tense. This my, mo- heart was, yeah, my heart this, rate was up this there. This
0: movie is the visual interpretation of a heart murmur or a panic attack. mm. If you've never experienced an anxiety attack or panic attack, watch this movie, and yeah, you'll know exactly.
1: Or maybe (laughs) don't. I don't.
0: (laughs) So, anyways, I was gonna say last year, uh, you and I had watched like our favorite favorite horror movies. Mm -hmm. Um. So this year we were trying to figure out what to do, and it was it was my pick, and I didn't want to rehash or recycle stuff from last year. And I was just kind of looking through our library of movies and this one's in a different case. So it, it stuck out and I was like, oh shit, I haven't seen this in a while. This is it.
1: Nice. I think I have both of my picks.
0: Oh yeah? Yeah. Okay, cool.
1: Um and then Halloween, we're gonna do a little something special. Yeah. I
0: was just gonna say, you wanna keep it a surprise?
1: Yeah, we'll keep it a surprise.
0: Cool. Uh oh, also I got my nose pierced, guys.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> this has nothing to do Wait,
1: with it. I think we mentioned it because I think I I oh, said you we were I, yeah because i think i said you were gonna pussy out of it
0: oh yeah but i didn't
1: you did it. i, I did no yeah you did it i did it <laughs> congratulations
0: yeah, thank you i wasn't such a big weenie
1: now we're matching
0: that's that's right yeah
1: we're gonna have to post an updated picture of you Ooh, because okay. you look so different now <laughs> okay well i do have four pages of notes so Ooh, let's jump into it yes so, the movie opens with Will driving his girlfriend Kira to his ex wife's house for a dinner party in Hollywood Hills. He recently ran into Eden, his ex, and her new husband or partner, I guess they didn't specify. Yeah. At the supermarket. And uh, on their way to their house, they hit a coyote with their car. David ends up putting this coyote out of its misery with what looks like a tire iron. And actually, he later confirms that it was a tire iron. So not a great start to the night. (laughs) We learn that Eden's family is wealthy, and Will has a little flashback when he's entering the home of his and Eden's son, Ty, who we later learn passed away uh, from an accident, like a freak accident. We also learn that Claire, Ben, Tommy, and Miguel and Gina are the other guests, Tommy and Miguel are a couple. Gina is waiting on her boyfriend, Choi. And Ben is married, but I don't believe that Claire has a partner. Uh, But Ben's wife is not there. She's watching the kids. I love this dynamic of that they've all had these friendships since probably before Aiden and Will were married. And now Mm -hmm. they still have these friendships, but they're just different. Right. And we also learned that no one has seen Eden for two years. And she just kind of fell off the radar and she invited everyone to this big dinner party kind right. of out of the blue. Right. Given all that, there is some immediate tension when Will sees Eden. And she even cleans off a drop of the coyote blood from his cheek by doing like the parental licking of the finger oh, yeah. and like wiping it off, which was super weird. And all of their friends are just kind of like watching them on edge because, like, they got divorced, their son died, and mm-hmm. now they're having dinner together, yeah, with new partners, and it's just strange. Right. Eden and David introduce Sadie, a girl they met in Mexico, who is now staying with them, and they're definitely fucking her. Like both of them are fucking her.
0: <laughs> yeah they <laughs> they didn't explicitly like come out and well
1: she actually she, shows up naked first. Th-
0: that's She's true, like half yeah.
1: naked and Will sees her Only in like him, the though. door frame. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like maybe they were in the middle of something. She could have just been getting dressed, but
0: I think she was just getting dressed because the other two were fully dressed. Yeah. And like yeah, like Eden had her makeup and hair done. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I don't <laughs> know about that. Will goes off by himself to look around and he reminisces of his life with Eden in that house. He relives Eden's attempted suicide in the kitchen, and uh, Eden, present day, surprises him from behind, and she starts talking about, like, her life now. Will says that she looks different, and she says that she's free of all this useless pain that she has been in for the past couple of years. We also learn at this point that she's been gallivanting around Mexico with David and apparently Sadie. She also says that grief, pain, anger, depression is all optional. That's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wonderful.
1: Love that for you. Ben comes in and she basically recaps all this for him. And he's like, that all sounds fucking crazy. And right. she slaps him right across the face.
2: She mm-hmm.
1: says that he thinks everything is a joke and that's why no one takes him seriously. And then Will and Ben have this kind of like...
0: yeah you're slowly learning the dynamic between the group of friends and how they all interact with each other yeah
1: it's great because like will has kind of like one-on-one time with each character throughout the film
0: literally was just going to say that
1: (laughs) and normally i like i hate trying to follow these types of movies because there's just so many characters and you're like who are all these people Mm -hmm. but I didn't have a hard time following this. I know it was my second watch, um, so I kind of knew what was coming. Yeah. But I think because of the way that he's set it up, where Will is kind of like a loner throughout this whole party, and he just kind of like touches on each person,
2: yeah.
0: although
1: briefly, but like we learn a little bit about each person.
0: Right. I view it as, um, have you read any of the Game of Thrones books? No. No. Okay. Uh, I mean, a lot of fantasy books are like this different chapters are different POVs from every character. So it gets really confusing when, especially if it's like a thousand page book and you're trying to like juggle all these POVs. Same thing happens with this movie, except you, the reader, are the main character of the movie. So it takes a lot off your shoulders and it's a little easier to go with the flow. Like you're with him and this paranoia is like building up. Uh, But like when she slaps him, at first you're like, Oh, shit, that really came out of nowhere. Uh, but then you start to see Will and... Is it John? What's his name again? I forget. Who gets Who? slapped? Ben. Jesus Christ. All right. John uh, is
1: not a character yeah, in this yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. just to be clear. Uh, so,
0: so you're seeing the reaction from Ben and Will when she leaves, and you could tell that it's very out of character for her. And then they're saying... Or Ben was saying, like, oh, well, she's been gone for two years, and...
1: I guess now she's different. She's
0: different, I guess. You know, yeah. Mexico does things to a person, right? I guess, yeah.
1: Ben also says that he thinks him and his wife hate each other, but they have really great, angry sex, so it's totally cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what? I would say each person has their own little like comedic relief, but it's not like yeah tension breaking. It's not distracting at all. It just right. feels very real.
1: Yeah, and I think true because there's kind of this air of tension on all of them throughout the night once we see this like video that's coming up (laughs) yeah so eden ends up apologizing to ben with a glass of wine we get a little one-on-one with claire with will and learn that she got tenure a year ago but he ended up missing it because he's kind of been like basically a loner like he's been very withdrawn from the friend group Someone new shows up, but it's not Choi. And Sadie embraces the man immediately. David introduces him as Pruitt. Pruitt scares me so much. The way he carries himself is so unsettling.
0: Do you, have you seen him in anything else?
1: Oh, I think you have. I feel like I have, and maybe that's why I feel Zodiac. Oh yes. Okay, okay.
0: this man. Okay, this is in my notes as well. I was gonna praise him. Okay, that's later why. On. I have seen him in so many things pretty much my whole life. I think the first thing I saw him in was, he was Jake Gyllenhaal's father in Bubble Boy and just the juxtaposition between then and now. He's, he's, he looks like a big guy overall, he has kind of a deeper voice but he seems, in all of his roles he seems very um, collected and articulate with his speech. And I think he comes across as like an intelligent but dangerous person.
1: Yeah. He seems like he could play. What's his name in Mindhunter? The name of the real life serial killer.
0: Oh, um,
1: you know K- what I'm talking Kemper. about? Um, yeah. Ed Kemper.
0: Yeah. I think Ed Kemper. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wait, we're not a true crime podcast. Hang on. Yeah. Yeah. We were right. Ed Kemper.
0: Anyways, the actor is John Carroll Lynch and Anything this man is in, I will watch. I've never been disappointed or cringed or anything. He's in a ton of shit. He's in like Gothica. He's really good in The Trial of Chicago Seven. He's in Fargo, The Founder. Oh, whole, he's in American Horror Story. Whole mess of stuff. Uh, oh, and The Handmaid's oh, Tale.
1: Oh, that's where I know I'm from too. Was American Horror Story back when I used to actually watch it. Okay. Anyway, uh, very unsettling. I don't like him. And oh. I know I felt that way the first time that I watched this, but I hadn't seen Zodiac at that point. So I'm curious if maybe I got that feeling just because I knew him from American Horror Story, because I think maybe I had seen that prior. But anyway, David locks the front door and Will is kind of suspicious of this because he locks it in a way where like there's a key on the inside, like it's not like a deadbolt or anything
0: yeah it, like he
1: locks the door from the inside with a key, and then
0: he has around the door's neck, just locked, like on the necklace
1: which I would think would be weird too. I probably yeah. wouldn't say anything, but David explains that there were some break-ins in the area, and he makes a point to show like he putting the key back in the um in the lock, because Will is like, "What if there's a fire?" which like right. valid point. Oh yeah, for sure. David also makes this comment of, it's my house, which is like, ooh, just dig that knife in Mm. a little deeper, you know? Also, poor Kira is just, like, in the midst of all these people that she doesn't know, and her boyfriend basically ditched her, but I'm wondering whether or not she had prior relationships with these people, too. Like, maybe she was part of their friend group, not, like, maybe she wasn't, like, a core member of the friend group, but... It seemed like she held her own throughout the night. um, Oh,
0: for sure. Yeah.
1: And that she had some type of relationship with everybody um, because at like the very end. She is just very, I don't know. She says something to Tommy that seems like it. There's more than just like, oh, I'm meeting you for the first time tonight. You know?
0: Yeah. I was trying to think back and remember if any of the gang introduced themselves to her. And I don't think they did. It was just Eden.
1: I think Gina did. I think Gina introduced herself Mm. to Kira. Okay. Anyway, Eden asks Will to go get firewood, and when he does, he sees Eden put something in her nightstand quickly from the bedroom window. He ends up sneaking in there to find a pill bottle of barbiturates, and David catches him only to say, come back to us when you're ready. So he doesn't say anything about finding him in their bedroom, which is like an invasion of privacy. Mm Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like David realizes that Will found the bottle of pills.
0: Yeah. And there, it was unlabeled. Right. So I think at this point we don't know it's a barb.
1: At this point we don't. Obituate, there was just yeah. like a small scene later where um, I guess it's more exposition so that we learn Miguel is um, a doctor or like a physician. Either a doctor or a nurse or a PA or something. Yeah. Um, and he identifies the pills for him. Right. So. When Will rejoins the party after having a flashback of him and Eden taking a bath together and their son Ty walking in on them, we learn that David, Eden, Sadie, and Pruitt are all part of this cult called The Invitation, which they found in Mexico. Miguel asks what goes on during the cult mm-hmm. or you know what they do. Right. David says that since he asked, he wants to show everybody a video.
0: You could tell he was just waiting for some kind of opening.
1: Yes. And everyone jokes that it's a conversion dinner party.
0: Yeah, like a sales pitch.
1: The video shows Dr. Joseph, the cult leader, talking about rewriting traumatic experiences and transcending grief. The video also shows Dr. Joseph comforting a woman before she dies. And the partygoers are visibly uncomfortable from this. And they're discussing it a little bit of like, wow, this is grim. Did we actually just watch someone die? And Will says, I just don't know why you choose to show something that at a dinner party, David.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Pruitt says that it's about community. And David opens up that he used to be a coked up record producer But Dr. Joseph freed him from that. They don't really say how. It's just all very elusive. I guess you get that answer once you join the cult. Right. David brings up what happened to Eden and Will, and Will puts his foot down like, don't go there.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then Eden says something like, I know what it's like, meaning I've also lost our son, and it saved me. But Will stands up and starts to tear up in front of her, And we know that a line has been crossed here. Mm -hmm. His friends take him aside and it's all very awkward. Will ends up talking to Miguel and Tommy and they both basically just say, yeah, it's a weird situation given the circumstances. Mm -hmm. And they all do seem like a bit off, but it's L.A. and everybody's a little weird and they're harmless.
0: So a little, not necessarily foreshadowing, but little like warnings here and there. Like, all right, something's going to happen here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also drew a lot of parallels to this movie with um, Speak No Evil because at this point everybody's a little uncomfortable Mm -hmm. right but it is this like line of well we're gonna be polite about it and we're not gonna really speak up if something makes us uncomfortable or like you know when when do you say something when are you gonna excuse yourself which I do actually like because later on Claire does excuse herself and she leaves. Which I thought was unexpected, but we'll get to that.
0: Yeah, definitely. There is so many examples of just listen to your gut. Yeah. In this whole movie.
1: And it is like, oh, it is like, well, where, where is that line? Because what they're saying is like not anything bad. And right. I do think that the video was like a little sales pitchy. Yeah. Oh, for like you sure, said, yeah. But I don't know. At what point is it a cult and like what point is it just like this thing you're doing as if you're going to like group therapy, you know, like nobody bats an eye if you're saying like, oh, I'm going to therapy, you know?
0: Yeah. In the mixture of the acting and the writing, nothing is like cringy. It feels like these puzzle pieces don't really fit. It feels like this uncanny valley. Yeah. But they're real people. I don't know. It's tough to explain. But There's just something.
1: Are you saying that with like relating to David?
0: And Pruitt and- And
1: Eden. Sadie. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. They feel like, I don't know, it's like I'm watching Westworld.
1: Yeah, like a little robotic.
0: Yeah, they're like smiling. Oh my God. A great example is in Jordan Peele's Get Out. Yeah. Where, I I don't know the character's name, but he's smiling. And and like tears are falling. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like that, like trapped inside their own self. I guess, and like yeah. another frightening thing about this movie is there's no creatures, spirits, nothing coming within the core of the earth. It's all humans.
1: Yeah, it's Will real, says like, at one point later on, like at the very end of the movie, they're just people. Right. Yeah.
0: And there's which just, is scary. Yeah, like anyone can. Yeah. Be this, you know.
1: Yeah, and I know, like we talked about this briefly before we started recording, but like. Uh, Very recently, I was like somewhat cornered by Mm. a church. I don't know names of people in church, pastor, maybe Yeah. somebody who was like.
0: Whoever's recruiting.
1: Yes. Recruiter is a great word. And like, I have no problem with like any religious beliefs. As long as you don't like shove it down my throat, I don't shove my beliefs down your throat, whatever. But like, it was really uncomfortable for me because he was just like uh you know first we were talking about like work and so like it was it was like this party because it was like all right like you're having fun (laughs) you're like having a conversation and then it's like oh (laughs) do you believe in heaven and hell what do you think happens when we die and i'm like all right you want to have this conversation like all this conversation and i'm like i don't think like nothing like i think it's nothing and then he's like what did he say to me? I don't know it boiled down to he literally goes and he's like well, what if I told you I had all the answers
0: oh my god and that yeah. you were
1: and that what if I told you you were wrong
0: I you know I was thinking about that recently because I have I talked to somebody I met at work a couple weeks ago about movies and weirdly enough the conversation kind of had the same like cadence to it it was very like two strangers oh hi how are you bubble? like
1: bullshitting yeah
0: and then something comes up with movies and i immediately like i fucking pounce like it's so exciting to talk to somebody else about something that you just love immensely that i can understand but i also know that there's a difference between talking about film and uh the afterlife.
1: yeah and the the way that he like well yeah that's totally like normal yeah. like i totally get that right. i mean i i fangirl over things too and like it is exciting when that comes up in conversation but mm-hmm. anyway this was this felt very predatory and like
2: yeah
1: also a little bit like this movie where it's like it felt cult-like like it's like what do you do when somebody is like what if i told you i have all the answers like yeah i don't know like i'd say nobody has all the answers like jesus right. let me show you this video This video about, like, this lady dying. All right, so David diffuses attention with this game that they used to play in Mexico, and it's called I Want. And basically, the point is to be honest about your desires. I also feel like this would make me, like, wildly uncomfortable. Because Mm -hmm. it's like, well, first they show you this, like, they tell you that they're in this cult, quote-unquote, like, the... Friends are calling it a cult but they're not calling it a cult they're calling this like a community right and it seems like a very popular cult by the way mm-hmm. because I think Tommy has heard of someone else who is like in it or practices it whatever you want to call it anyway but I feel like they're all wildly uncomfortable from this video there's a lot of tension and now you're diffusing it with more cult centric activities like right you know you're like oh let me introduce you to more aspects of this thing that i'm doing
0: yeah just trying way too hard to impress the first date
1: right yeah Yeah. (laughs) so sadie goes first and tells everyone in the room by name that she loves them and then after she says that she kisses gina gina goes next and she says that she wants some of the coke that david used to do and he pulls some out
0: you know, I'm just now realizing that means they known David before the two year absence of Eden. For some reason, I I had it in my head that well, she met David during the two maybe year not
1: hours. because he confesses to everybody earlier, like after he shows the tape that he used to be a coked up record producer and now he's not.
0: Oh well, what did what did she say specifically? I thought
1: she said, "I want some of that coke that you used to do."
0: Oh, okay. I must have interpreted it as her present then doing it with him as like a callback. Oh, gotcha. All right. So that makes sense,
1: though. So he pulls it out. And then she was like, oh, my God, I was like joking. And then he was like, no, you weren't. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like you were being honest. And then she owns up to it. She was like, okay, yeah, I was being honest. Like Mm -hmm. that is kind of what I want to do. Ben Pruitt tells this story about his wife, Margaret, and how they were married for eight years. It would have been 15 this month. He describes her beautifully. He says something about his wife's, I think, laugh that was, like, guttural and joyful, joyfully guttural or something like that. And I turned to Joe, and I was like, if you ever describe me in this way, I will come back from the grave and, like, haunt you. (laughs) Miguel asked if she passed away, and Pruitt said that they had both been drinking. They got into an argument over something stupid like the dishes, and he went to pour himself another drink, but she went to stop him. And he said something snapped inside him. He hit her as hard as he could, and she hit her head on the way down to the ground. She was gone, and he said it was a terrible mistake. He went to prison for seven years, and only after accepting the invitation was he quote-unquote cured
0: no boy i love these little like breadcrumbs that we're picking up of like oh something's a little yeah weird
1: and i think that he really does carry himself like he was imprisoned you know what i mean for sure like the way that he walks looks like how i would imagine someone like walking down the hallway for like
0: yeah there's um i don't know later on there's a scene where will is downstairs by himself in a room pruitt retrieves him and they're walking towards the stairs and pruitt is behind will like a prison guard
1: that's exactly the scene that i was thinking about and they walk up the stairs
0: yeah oh it's oh creepy (laughs)
1: So Claire's very upset by this and she says that the whole situation doesn't seem very honest because Mm -hmm. David's point is that this game is all about honesty. And she's like, this doesn't seem very honest. Like you let us here under false pretenses, which is like you wanted to get old friends together, but really you just wanted to share this cult that you're in. Right. And you also brought in like a couple of strangers that we don't know. We didn't Mm -hmm. know that they were coming. Yeah. And one of them was a convicted felon. So I
0: love Claire Bear because before this she I mean yeah,
1: she's a professor. She's got her shit together. Yeah, well like
0: Oh man, okay. So she was on the stairs with Will before this and she even said on her own of like this is yeah, this is weird. Like something along the lines of like something doesn't feel right. And it's interesting because Will has these one-on-one conversations with the whole group throughout the movie. And they all have varying degrees of either like obliviousness or they're in tune to also like something is not super right here.
1: So lastly, Eden says that she wants to kiss Ben. And Ben checks for permission from David. (laughs) Yeah. And then he like gives her a quick peck but then she pulls him back in and like really kisses him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when he sits back down he's like no one tell Amanda.
2: <laughs>
1: After this Claire says she really needs to go. She's going to go. She feels uncomfortable. Like sh- she's just going to excuse herself like mm-hmm. she doesn't want to ruin the fun for everybody else. David tries to reason with her and is like let me get you another glass of wine. Like we don't have to play this game anymore. And Will interjects fearing I think that she's not allowed to leave. Um, she gives an awkward goodbye because David actually does, like, let her leave.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, Eden does try to coerce her to stay, uh, but it's not successful. And then Pruitt realizes that he actually parked Claire in, so Pruitt and Claire go out. Will watches from the window to make sure that Claire is able to get out Okay. Because he's creeped out by Pruitt. And oh, who yeah. wouldn't be? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. we Like, none of them know this person. hmm She's about to drive away. She's, like, already out of the gate. But then Pruitt says, oh, Claire, and goes up to her driver window. And then David <laughs> comes up behind Will and asks if they could chat privately and pulls him away from the window. Oh, my God.
0: Okay. Oh, I love this. All right. Do you know what blocking is in movies or yeah. stage play? Okay. Uh for those of you who do not know what blocking is, um it's like the placement of the characters and their movements within the scene like physically. If you're walking somewhere or turning around a corner, you need to know where the actors are and the lighting and the cameras and stuff. This entire like sequence of shots is wonderful because you just got the history of this Pruitt guy and he's now alone with Claire and Will is a decent friend who wants to make sure that like he even offers to walk her to the car and she's like Will it's 40 feet I'm good um
1: and let me say that was before Pruitt said that he parked her in like right he didn't know that Pruitt was gonna be going out with her. Like right. he even offered to walk her out before that.
0: Exactly. So you are with Will on the one side of the window and you're just watching them walk down the driveway and you're just Yeah, you,
1: the camera angle is like beautiful. Because you, you, you get wanna, Will's reflection in the window yeah, and just. You don't wanna like,
0: blink. It's dark out. Pruitt pulls out, she pulls out, and it seems like he pulled out just enough to where he had to get out of the car to give her a little bit of, you know how like if someone's backing up like a large truck, you have a person guiding you? He's doing that, and I think he parked just far enough to where she had to angle out, and so he used that as an excuse to get out of the car.
1: And they also had a gate too.
0: Right, and there's like a wall or whatever, so she starts to pull ahead, and like you said, he called out for her. If you notice you can only see her taillights when she stops and he walks up to the car door. So then you'll, at least with me, I'm like, is he gonna like, no one's around. Is he gonna maybe take her out? But then you see a car, another person's car Mm -hmm. drive up. And then you're like, okay, maybe he won't do it. If there's like a witness there and you're waiting for like this answer or this confirmation of if she drives away or if she doesn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then David shows up behind will. And then you're left there's a huge ass question mark there yeah and i was just like oh my god so knowing
1: the end of the film do you think that pruitt killed
0: claire oh for sure really yeah and it sucks because i love claire i love like a lot of these characters um i don't know
1: i i don't think unless he just left her in the car on the side of the road i don't think there was enough time because he comes in after the end of will's conversation with david
0: that's right pruitt also gave an example of he was a one-hit wonder and later on this movie he shows another example of just fucking knocking someone out with one hit so he could have the strength to just
1: i get that but like he would have to move the car why well it probably wasn't on the side like it probably wasn't up to the curb it was probably just like
0: in the middle of the road i mean when we get to the end of the movie and we know what we know it doesn't really matter
1: yeah but like not every house was a part of this scheme so like there had to be other traffic going by like i can't imagine that he would just take her out and leave the car in the middle of the road and that's it
0: they they get careless they it it i, I think it so. i think it just matters on how many people are free with you i don't know you know, I don't know. <laughs> all right we're <laughs> let's go ahead okay <laughs>
1: so david says that they chose will because they care about him he brings up the fit that will threw, which i think is like completely valid. overblown yeah by david about him locking the door and that he's hovering, watching his friend Pruitt as if he's going to see something.
0: Oh, you mean the seven foot man who just said he murdered his wife?
1: Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know. Like I do understand that. Like him, him telling that story. It obviously wasn't like a premeditated murder, but again, right? They don't know this guy. Like he's a complete stranger. So who's to say he's being honest? At
0: this point, you could honestly if you step back and you were being fair you could see both sides yeah of the story
1: yeah if i was at that party though i would be googling his like arrest like the arrest documents or like right the news stories whatever yeah david said that he also used to feel like the world is unsafe and will responds that he won't pretend to know what david and his wife went through so something happened with david and his ex-wife too His ex-wife isn't there, though, so apparently she is not part of their chosen family. Or maybe she died. I don't know. They finally eat dinner, and during dinner, Will flashes back to Ty's fifth birthday party when he passed. He also is, like, in this kind of trance where he's very withdrawn, and he's calling out for Kira, but she's, like, not hearing him. I think he's, like, in his own head, and he's screaming.
2: Yeah.
1: Um... Which is interesting because later on he tells Kira about his grief and it feels like he's holding a scream inside.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I love that juxtaposition. After dinner, Will catches Sadie making funny faces in the mirror, which is like weird. I
0: don't know. This girl is like so weird. She reminds me of a person who would be at the ranch in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. Sadie approaches Will out on the balcony and says, so things aren't great with Kira. and Wanna
0: fuck?
2: <laughs>
1: basically, yeah. Uh, well, Will defends this statement from mm. her, and then afterwards she ends up propositioning him for sex. I'm curious, was this a hallucination or a daydream? Because it seems to cut very abruptly from uh, Sadie leaving Will on the balcony to Tommy coming out and talking to Will on the balcony.
0: Oh, um... I mean, I... To me, it seemed like it was reality. I thought It, it might was have legit. just been the cut.
1: Yeah, I thought it was legit, too, but that cut was, like, really kind of funny for me. Out in the balcony, Will is able to get reception, because Sadie does make a comment that you can't get reception there, but Will used to live in this house, and he's like, actually, you can. You just have to wait. Like, it comes in and out. Mm-hmm. He gets a voicemail from Choi saying that he was actually early forgot something and that he was going inside and he asked will to pick it up for him right so he was like on the doorstep of david and eden's house Mm -hmm. when he left this voice message and now he's not there he's nowhere to be seen
0: i'm embarrassed to say that the i i thought his name was troy oh i like every time i watch this movie (laughs)
1: I thought it was the first time I heard the name, um, but then I realized what it was. Back at the party, Eden brings out a birthday cake for Miguel, even though his birthday isn't for another week. And Will confronts Eden and David about where's Choi. He tells everyone at the dinner table about the message that he received. And he also brings up, finally, why is everyone acting so fucking polite? Mm Mm-hmm. And that something very strange is happening and no one is saying anything, which is true. It's like at like what point you're you're, like, you're trying to be grateful that like, I mean, they're having you over for dinner. There's like a level of like professionalism or like decorum that you need to keep. But like if you are being uncomfortable or like you're uncomfortable from what they're like talking about and the situation, it's like. It's. Ugh, I, ugh, I hate. I hate these scenarios. I.
0: I love how it's built up like this because, um, if you put yourself in Will's shoes, you are seeing your ex, who you had a kid with, who unfortunately the kid passed away, in a house you used to live with, and you're seeing, uh, I guess you're all your friends together again, and your ex is with someone new, and you're with somebody uh, you know relationship wise and all this is coming together at once so all this paranoia that's building up with him um, that's also you know all these little weird clues and these yeah. weird stories you're not sure what the fuck is is real like is he just more paranoid is he on edge obviously he's stressed as hell he even said at one point that maybe he wasn't ready to you know, go to this to this dinner. Yeah. Um, but then on the other end, I could imagine a lot of his friends aren't really saying anything because A, they're not really seeing it because logically, oh, this person met another person and he has some friends. It's a dinner party. There's going to be new people that you never met before. And that seems very sane. Yeah. So it's very like, what do you believe? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And also,
1: like, they didn't have this, like, intimate relationship. Like, right. you know, Will and Eden were married for mm-hmm. X amount of years, and yeah. obviously he knew her very well, and now this is a completely different person standing in front of him today.
0: hmm Yeah. Oh, my God. This whole movie feels like a goddamn panic attack. Like, it. Yeah. There's this, like, weird feeling, and then it starts to build up in your chest, and you're not really sure, you know, Yeah, you're and there's, to- like,
2: the,
1: uh, like... I can totally relate to those kinds of like spikes of anxiety, like especially when like any weird like cult stuff comes up in conversation because Mm. like everybody's a little uncomfortable and it's like they're not saying anything, but we're all like, "Mm, I don't know how I feel about this. And it's like I feel that whenever like in conversation anyone gets vaguely like homophobic or like transphobic. Mm. And it's like, oh, like when do you say something? And when do you just like, Brush it off as yeah, like, yeah, like okay. Do you just
0: do you just be nice and let the moment pass, or you have to find that line of like okay yeah when are you gonna worth it yeah when are you gonna stand
1: up up for something exactly
0: yeah. yeah. Social issues here on partners and friends.
1: All right, yeah. <laughs> At this point, Will calls the invitation for what it is a cult, and he tries to connect with Eden. I think, um, by saying that their son and his death meant something. I think that this is him trying to, like, reach out and, like, break this facade she has going on. Yeah. And she, he's like, where is Choi? Kira says that they should go because it is it's very heated mm-hmm. at this point. And the doorbell rings and it's Choi.
0: <laughs> Did you see that little smirk or that little look that David gave yes. up that Will?
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> Everyone just kind of stares at Will, and he apologizes to David, and Kira says that they should still leave. Will excuses himself, and Kira follows. They have this conversation about Ty and how difficult it is for Will to deal with his grief. He ends up shutting Kira out again, and Will rejoins the party just as they're cutting cake, and it's very awkward. Everyone just, like, stops what they're doing and stares at him. Yeah. And he asks to see Ty's room and Eden and David give permission and he goes off by himself again.
0: Real quick, um, before the two of them go outside, when Kira says we should leave, Will says, I can't. But I don't think he gave a specific reason hmm. as to why. Like
1: I didn't catch up.
0: I'm, I'm pretty sure he said he can't because um, I was trying to figure out. Is this like... Like,
1: why wouldn't they just leave?
0: I mean, is this him like in so deep in this question he needs to know what is going on or like he wants to make sure his friends are safe or...
1: I think it may be this like morbid draw to like... And this is getting a little deep here, yeah. but like sometimes when you're like in so much pain or like in that like... Deep of an emotional state, like you are kind of drawn to the
0: pain. What, like you lean into it? You mean, yeah. Okay.
1: Or like, it feels comfortable to right. an extent, and like you want more of it. And I think that he wants to be in this house. Like, I think that some part yeah. of him wants to be
0: gotcha in that, that
1: makes state. Sense. You know. Yeah. But I didn't catch that. So thank you for bringing that up because I was also wondering why they weren't just leaving. <laughs> So he sees his son's room as it was, with his son still sleeping in bed, and he actually seems happy in a bittersweet kind of way, as opposed to shielded off and grief-stricken as he is for the rest of the movie. So I think this is like a really nice character arc for Will. Oh, for sure. Where Ian and David are saying, like, oh, I they don't even talk about how they have just dispelled all this grief and trauma that they've held in the, for so long. Right. Like they don't talk about like what they did to release that. They just say like, Dr. Joseph helped me, you know,
2: I
0: but, think it's because they were quote unquote chosen. Yeah. And their pain will be gone when their goal is accomplished.
1: Right. And like here we see will like, going through the whole movie like very withdrawn he's crying at multiple times in the movie he had like it's kind of like the every stage of grief does he go through every stage of grief and
0: i don't know what all the stages are i, f- I forget while you're looking that up also he has the same hair as me does same color length it's great um, I would say most of them. What are the stages?
1: Anger, bargaining, sadness, denial, uh, acceptance, guilt. No, bar- oh, wait, hang on. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance.
0: No bargaining. No. That we know of, because he feel like that's like an in the moment thing.
1: Uh, no, he does bargain a little bit because he talks about how um he could have changed it like he should have been
0: oh that's right if i had
1: been watching more closely if i hadn't given the kids the bat or something we don't even know how he died like explicitly we just can kind of put two and two together yeah um yeah so he does actually bargain
0: yeah so he goes through all them. maybe not denial though i don't know how how many stages are there five how many friends are at the party oh more than five i mean the main friends like so there's. Tom, There's Tommy, Miguel, Ben. Tommy,
1: Miguel, Ben, Claire, and Gina. Gina? I don't know if you want to count Choi or not, but that would be five. Unless you're going to count... Well, I don't know if you're counting Eden.
0: Maybe. maybe. Huh. Interesting. Okay. I don't know. Just a a thought.
1: Anyway, I feel like this is his acceptance moment, right? Yeah. And, And he feels a little bit lighter. For sure. After coming in this room.
0: Yeah, I think this is the only scene in the movie other than the very, very beginning that it's... uh, Well, yeah, okay. All the flashbacks are just like a a lighter color to it, a lighter Mm -hmm. feel to it.
1: So from his son's old room, now David's office, he watches David outside in the garden, lighting a red lantern. Will goes snooping again, and... I don't have anything bad to say about Will. (laughs) He finds David's laptop, and somehow this is not password protected. And he sees an ominous message from Doctor Joseph. He says, "Tonight is the night our fate is made real." And he ends the message with, "I'm waiting for you." Pruitt is knocking on the door for Will, and he leads him upstairs. At the dinner table, Eden is solemnly pouring a round of dessert wine, and everyone is passing glasses down the table. Eden and David give an awkward toast, but it seems very final. They also uh, share a kiss at the head of the table, and Will is watching all of this with like bated breath. Yeah. Before everyone drinks, he smashes his glass and everyone else's glass.
0: Everyone. (laughs) But
1: Gina already drank. Sadie freaks out and says that he ruined everything. And attacks Will. He pushes her off, and she ends up cracking her head on the dresser. Miguel, since he is the doctor previously established, um, goes over and assesses her. Ben is trying to call nine one one, but as we remember, the cell reception is kind of spotty at the house. Kira notices that Gina isn't breathing, and she's foaming at the mouth. Miguel goes over to give Gina CPR, and while he's doing so, David shoots him from behind. Pruitt tries to talk David down. Well, we think that he's talking him down right. because it's kind of like that. Um, a bomb just went off and it's like ringing. You know, we yeah. don't. We're not actually hearing anything. Um, he takes a gun from him and then Pruitt just turns around and shoots Choi. Uh, so I think that he was actually like. I think David was a bit in shock that he shot someone mm. and was on the brink of being like oh my God, what I did was just wrong and this is not cool. And Pruitt is like, I got this. I got a, you, baby. I'm a seasoned criminal. <laughs> yeah, Give right. me that gun.
0: <laughs> I'm the Zodiac killer. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> ben, Kira, and Will sneak downstairs, but the door's locked. Tommy attacks David for shooting Miguel and Sadie stabs him with a knife. He did, She doesn't stab him. He. She just kind of like slices his chest. Yeah. Sadie goes absolutely feral and tries to attack Will again downstairs, but they shut this door. I think they're in David's office, and they block the door. Here, and Will watch as Pruitt and David attack Ben outside. They resolve to get out of this however they can, and they start to sneak around the house. Will overhears David telling Eden that this is how they'll finally be able to rest and stop hurting by finishing this night.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Eden looks a smidge drunk, (laughs) and she says that this whole thing is wrong, but she ends up rallying. I don't know. During their sneaking, they find Sadie on the couch with a fire poker in her lap close to death. They take the fire poker and just go.
0: So, is this this like a delayed thing from her hitting her head?
1: I don't know, because she's very bloody. Like something else I think something else happened where
0: Maybe we just didn't see it. I don't know.
1: Maybe it was a scuffle with Tommy upstairs. I don't know. Well no, because she comes downstairs immediately, like Yeah, because she's chasing them.
0: them into the office.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure.
0: Weird. Okay.
1: I do think that there is a tie in to the coyote though in this scene. Because the tire iron and the fire poker seem very similar.
0: Oh, she has like, that
1: like labored breathing like the coyote had. And he
0: chose not to put her out, her out, of, out of the misery. Yeah.
1: Because when he walks in and she, um Kira tells the whole party in the very beginning that they had to they ran over a Coyote yeah. and that Will had to put it out of his misery. David makes a comment that that was very brave of him to do. Um <laughs>
0: yeah that's right
1: and i just thought that was interesting because i think the scenes are very similar here uh and that he chooses not to which hm. to me i guess a i do think that was brave of will to do to put it out of its misery like he obviously has empathy mm-hmm. but it's like b are does that mean that we're saying like sadie is beneath like an animal uh, right, like they're yeah. worse than animals at yes. this point yeah <laughs> So upstairs Will realizes that the door he was trying to get out of was actually renovated over and they hear Pruitt coming up the stairs to come find them. He still has the gun and he's holding it out in front of him and I jumped at this point. I jumped so bad at this point. Mm -hmm. Will manages to get the gun away from him and then they end up like fist fighting. Pruitt almost strangles Will but Kira beats him over the head with a wine bottle and kills him.
0: Ah, oh, this sounds
1: oh yeah, he's like screaming,
0: so she hits him in the face, he falls over, and then he looks up at her and he has this huge gash on the cheek, and then she hits him again, and he just has this like, I don't even know how to this like guttural whine and he's just
1: like also coyote, yeah, tie-in. it sounds
0: like he's trying to like yell and amp himself up to get up again but yeah. he's just he doesn't have it in him because the
1: coyote she, makes like a little noise yeah. too yeah weird okay mm-hmm. so they walk out to see eden now holding the gun and she shoots will in the shoulder and she immediately regrets it and then shoots herself in the stomach Kira goes over to check on will and he says that he's all right here grabs the gun and they hear david downstairs asking for eden they tell him that she shot herself And uh, he's like, that's good. (laughs) 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 And we also see Tommy hiding downstairs, so he did not die. I think everybody else is dead, though, at this point. Kira realizes that there aren't any more bullets in the gun, but Will threatens David that they have the gun anyway. And he's cool with that. (laughs) but Tommy ends up attacking David from behind and stabs him in the chest after a quick scuffle. Eden calls for Will as she's bleeding out, and it's finally at this point that she is honest and says she misses her son so much and that she's sorry. She also asks to be taken outside, so David and Kira carry her out. She starts to say, I hope we but then dies before she can deliver her final words. I think she was probably going to say, I hope we can see each other again.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think part of me is like, after all of this, she's not all of hers out of the cult. Like not all of her is saved, I guess.
1: Yeah, I have another point, but let me okay. just finish up real quick because we're yeah. like at the end. They end up hearing screams, police sirens, and helicopters, and as they look up, they see a sea of red lanterns across Hollywood Hills, realizing that there were dozens of other cult members carrying out their plans tonight. Oh,
0: my favorite part of this movie. Yes.
1: Kira and Will hold hands as they are now trauma-bonded.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm wondering if Eden asked to be carried outside because she wanted to see the other lanterns.
0: Yeah, you know what? Because she turns her head last minute. And I think that angle is where the hills were.
1: Or... That's
0: where... What's-his-name died?
1: Yeah, Ty died out in the backyard. ty died. Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: So, oh, that's that's a hard call to make because it's like, is she being true to, like, she misses her son mm-hmm. and she wants to be with him? Or is it, like, does she want to see their, like, success rate?
0: Okay, so... You know how you make fun of me because I like movies that have answers. And yes. Other- <laughs> yes, This I is do. a great example of wh- how I love that there's questions. Did Claire Bear live or die? I
1: want to know about Claire.
0: Why did Eden want to go outside when she died? Uh, how do you feel about this movie?
1: I love this movie. <laughs> me
0: too. I have so much to say. Okay, this movie is so fucking unsettling that's the perfect word anytime i ever recommend this to anyone else i love how kind of like realistic it feels i feel like if this was a studio funded movie the main character would be the only one left alive and he would have the final battle with like the antagonist of the film but it feels more realistic because the the main antagonist david he died with a little scuffle from a side character. You not only have the main character who lives, but his girlfriend and another side character who I feel like would be thrown away in any other movie. It just... I don't know. It feels... I just keep saying realistic. Um, And also, did you notice that the bars on the window were in a, a specific pattern, and that same pattern was on the Red Lantern?
1: Oh.
0: The director karen kusama i'm gonna butcher that so sorry she also directed a couple episodes from yellow jacket she directed an episode from the outsider an amazing show on hbo with ben Mendelssohn and jason bateman it's a stephen king story i highly recommend it um she directed episodes in man in the high uh, castle or tower uh, she directed a segment in XX, which is like a uh, horror anthology, and she directed Jennifer's Body. Whoa. And the writers for this, they fucking wrote Ride Along and Clash of the Titans and Eon Flux. Hmm. Uh, I just, I love seeing what they're all capable of. It's It's great. But the biggest thing for me is, this is not like a horror movie, especially a jump scare horror movie.
1: Yeah. although one got me
0: yeah the the most frightening thing for me I look for this in books as well is the terror the build up of this movie is intense like up until the last 10 minutes of the movie you're watching this fuse like slowly burn away and you're just waiting for like the other shoe to drop and you're merciless like you have to sit there and (laughs) and take it pretty much yeah you know
1: so. Okay, so I did actually just find an article yeah. that was 27 things we learned from Karen Kusama's commentary for The Invitation mm-hmm. because I was Googling about whether or not Claire uh, dies. And let's see.
0: And you're saying Claire lived and I'm saying she died.
1: Uh, Yeah, that was, that was what I thought. So she says that the scene was cut And that an earlier version of the film featured a shot at an hour and nine minutes and 32 seconds that pulls back to reveal a a dying Claire outside in the bushes and that they made a decision to cut it because they wanted to keep the mystery going.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I love that they left it a mystery in the final cut, but I also love knowing the answer. (laughs) It's so brutal. People can suck. (laughs) Yeah. I can't explain the haunting feeling of seeing the hillside filled with all these red lanterns as well. Cause you hear gunshots, you hear a lady scream. I was trying to picture like other dinner parties and what other survivors were out there. And oh, it's wild. Yeah. It's such a bigger, like, no one knew about this. It was under everyone's nose and it seems like it was everywhere. You yeah. Know?
1: There were a lot of other cool um, points that this article made, but the last one was, uh, I thought this was just fun, that she references um, other films during the commentary um, as influences for the movie, and they were All the President's Men, High and Low, Silence of the Lambs, Fargo, and Zodiac. Yeah, I can see that. So, that was a very long episode. That was
0: so sorry thank you for
1: joining us
0: i i hope that i have convinced at least one person who hasn't seen this to check it out yeah i don't know it just it never comes up in conversations of like favorite horror movies or even like underrated horror movies of like hey you should check this out you know and
1: yeah I also feel like there's not a ton of blood in this movie. So if you were very like, ooh, I don't like Yeah, that's true. XYZ about horror movies, like there's not a lot of gore in this movie.
0: Yeah. So Uh, yeah. And even with um because I I know that you have a thing with like harm to children, they don't show anything of of that nature. I was a
1: little uncomfortable, a little uncomfy at times, but I didn't say anything because I was being polite.
0: Where's the line? Where's the line? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> um, so obviously I'm giving this, this is like a 10 out of 10 for me. I will never get tired of this movie and I will always recommend it annoyingly. So uh,
1: I yeah, I think like nine out of 10 for me.
0: Ah, I, feel, I feel good about that. I'm very curious as to your pick next My week. My picks? Yeah.
1: I have them. I have them both? I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us for this October series that I do not have the name of yet. <laughs> and we hope to see you next week for my pick. And you can follow us on Instagram at partners and fright podcast and Twitter slash X, <laughs> at Fright partners. And um, you can catch us here every Tuesday. We'd be very grateful if you left a review for us. And I'm very tired. We actually, we watched this tonight and we never do that. We never record after we watch anymore because it's a late night for us. But I drank coffee, so I'm awake.
0: (laughs) All right, listeners, we will be sure to send you an invite to our next dinner party. The
1: invitation.